Well, good morning, Redeemer King Church, and morning to all of those of you who are listening from outside the church as well. You're very welcome. Um, do think about subscribing to our YouTube channel. This is uh, week three of our Teaching from Our Homes uh, Church Where You Are series, um, based on the book of Nehemiah. Um, there's a whole bunch of other teaching on our YouTube channel too relating to this book. And can you believe just the kindness of God that he'd lead us to study this book at such a time as this? It's so relevant for us. And just before we get into that, and uh, we'll be looking at a part of chapter four today, um, just to say thanks to all of you at RK who uh, came to our prayer meeting, uh, what for me is last night, because I'm recording this Thursday morning. Um, what a special time it was. It was so good to see so many of you on the Zoom call for prayer. In fact, it was our biggest attended prayer meeting ever. And we all adapted to the technology really quick. So, so grateful to you all for carving out the time. And what a beautiful moment it was. And Andrew sang to us as well, sang over us. Just to say that as a leadership, um, myself personally, and the trustees and staff team, we're doing all we can um, to try and keep us together as a family. But I actually believe we're not just trying to keep us together. I believe we're growing together. I feel like we're getting closer. I think we're praying for each other more. I think we're standing together more, even though we can't always see each other. And as you know, as part of my exercise routine, I'm going out every day, trying to walk past houses in the church and just come and see people and pray as I'm walking around. And I'm, and I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm feeling the vibe of us growing deeper, stronger, closer, putting our faith and our trust more in Christ. I think we'll come out of this with great humility, grace, recalibrated priorities. Um, this is a harrowing and trying time, and some of you are facing deep uncertainty, financially, job-wise, health-wise. I know that. But one thing we can be totally sure of is that God is with us and I believe that with all my heart and we will get through this and we'll get through it together and we'll come out of it stronger and I believe we'll come out of it knowing Christ more and that, that is my prayer because um, this will come to an end I don't know when but it will and when we emerge society will be different but I think as a church we always had a focus on the most hurting lost and broken people we're going to be well equipped and well established to, to do our thing and bring Christ to Chesterfield and beyond and into Sheffield as we uh, plant there and and as we build networks across the edge network that we're very much involved in, that I'm trying to lead uh, from a cellar. I just think we're going to see God do some beautiful things. We, we'll be well prepared by the time we come through this. So let's just stay strong and keep in prayer for one another. And that really is the theme of uh, Nehemiah 4 verse 9 onwards. So I'm going to do the same as what I did the last time I preached two weeks ago. Um, what I like to do in this scenario is, is I'm not trying to replicate what we did at church a few weeks back. This is a different day now. Um, it's time for us to innovate, not replicate, as I keep saying. The wall book has been ripped up and chucked out of my window anyway. And what I want us to do is, is to let the word of God soak in. So I'm going to read it. I'm going to commentate on it. I've made some notes in my Bible. Um, and I'm going to talk it through. And then we'll have some connect group questions, home group questions that we'll email out to you. Uh, so that on your Zoom calls, um, you can talk this through. And you can do that whatever church you're in as well. So we're up to um, 
chapter four and Andy talked brilliantly last week uh, through uh, bits of three and four up to verse nine. And uh, we've both spoken about opposition, but now it starts to ramp up. Um, so here we go. I'm going to take it from uh, verse 7 as a recap. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites and the people of Ashod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. The, the enemy will always get angry when he starts to see kingdom success and God's people mobilised. The enemy hates it when the people of God are mobilised. And it's no different here. As soon as repairs were happening and they were effective, the anger of those who opposed began to increase and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Now, there's an old saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> what you're seeing here, uh, essentially, is the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashod all clubbing together. Now, they may not have been natural friends, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so people often unite around a common rage. They might totally disagree on a whole bunch of stuff. But when there's something they can unite on, it's usually centred around rage and not joy, not good stuff. That often brings people together where the common thread is a common anger. That's not the kingdom. Now you see this in churches. You can see people have fundamental disagreements, but when there's something they can agree on, they'll unite. But it's never normally a good thing. Not where there's rage involved. That is not the kingdom way. The kingdom ways we overcome our anger, our bitterness, our hate. And we seek forgiveness. And we love our enemies. In fact, we try and eliminate the fact we've ever got any enemies. And we pull together and we work together as family. And we overcome our differences super quick. One of the big things that tears churches down, actually, and ministries, and even godly Christian families, is where there's factions and there's uh, enmity around different issues, and then people club together against one person where they could, or one thing where they could realise they can pull it down if they club together together, and then they do that, then as soon as that's done, they all start infighting again. That's what pulls a church down. People clubbing together over a common thing they hate when they didn't like each other anyway. And gradually and gradually it pulls the whole work down. That is not the kingdom way. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of our labourers is giving out and there is so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. And then the Jews who live near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. <laughs> so Nehemiah is up against it here as a leader. This is what's happening. Firstly, the strength of the labourers in verse 10 is given out. Now, it might not have given out. Well, we know it didn't because of physical pressure. People often have a lot more physical capacity than they give themselves credit for. 
actually what's happening here is it's emotionally insurmountable. What I've done is they've, they've looked at the task and you can hear it. There's so much rubble. There's just so much bricks. There's, I mean, look at the size of these walls. This is massive. How on earth are we ever going to do this? It's just too much. And when you start thinking like that, all your strength drains out of you. Now, <laughs> some of you know I've done a whole bunch of endurance challenges and um, I've often spoken about these, but there was one time we were cycling over the Alps. We cycled from Calais to Nice um, in about nine days, um, which is a thousand miles, not kilometers, miles. We did about 92,000 feet of climbing and we trained super hard for it. Um, more on that later. But there was one time um, we were cycling, uh, I believe it's Col de Bonnet, which is the highest uh, coal in Europe. Um, you know, it takes an average plotter like me three and a half, four hours to cycle up. We're just going uphill the whole time. And I was cycling behind this Australian medic. <laughs> and uh, I could hear him sort of gradually becoming more and more laboured. I mean, it's hard to explain, but you just sit on this saddle that's like a razor by the time we got to this stage. And you just got to think to yourself, I've just got to go up. Now, an Alp is quite high. And if you're at the bottom and you're thinking about the top and you just look up, chances are your strength is going to melt away. But if you look at that little bit of tarmac, that little inch that's going past you bit by bit, and you think to yourself, well, I'm never going to go past that bit again. That bit's done. That's taking the task bit by bit. But this mate of mine, the Australian medic, he, <laughs> he said to me, he goes like this, forgive the accent. He goes, Carl, if we go around his hairpin and he's still going uphill, you're going to hear a grown man cry. <laughs> anyway, he went around his hairpin and we suddenly got this clear view of this road winding up literally into the clouds. And in front of me, I heard this guy go. <laughs> he just started to weep. Why? He'd lost all his strength. Because he looked at the task in completeness. And it was insurmountable. And he couldn't handle it. And that's what they're doing here. The strength of the labourers is giving out. There's so much rubble, we can't rebuild the wall. But what you do is you take one bit of rubble at a time. One task at a time. I've had this myself. Just over the last two weeks, looking at potential financial implications of a massive festival going under. In fact, two that I've founded and, and running and um, looking at ministries, national ministries, where the whole basis of our work overnight has changed. And it's people that we employ. And then a church, a beautiful church for Dean McKing, where suddenly... Um, I've got to take everything online and reconfigure everything we've done, including with relatively um, new Christians on the staff and, and established protocols in national ministries like CAP or having to change. And it's a big task. And if I sat there and just thought about everything that I had to do, it'd probably be overwhelming. But if I think about what I can do with each bit of time I've got and just tick some things off, and get some stuff done then my strength doesn't fade that, that's just a good tip in life and as we approach week two week three week four in lockdown look if you're sitting at home now thinking wow yesterday was tough 
kids would do my head in. Husbands do me head in. <laughs> Wives do me head in. How am I going to cope? And you're thinking three, four, five weeks, 12 weeks, your strength will melt. But if you live for the moment that God's given you, and you live in that moment right now, and you think, what can I do now with this next hour? Then you might find your strength and your, your help return. One thing at a time, brick by brick. But then it compounds because the enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we will kill them and put an end to the work. Now, how did Nehemiah know that? Because word from the enemy was coming through. Now, you might not be at the moment surrounded by physical enemies, but you can have the enemy of the whisper into your head. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to get through this. And then verse 12. The Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they would attack us. And in every situation, <laughs> I'm a rampant optimist, but there'll always be the pessimists. Oh no, this has happened. Oh no, that's happened. Have you seen this latest headline? There's the 15th strain of coronavirus. We're all going to die. Oh no. Have you heard this? This, this supermarkets have run out of domestos. There's always that voice of pessimism. What Nehemiah does is this. Verse 13. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of wood, exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. So he's got here people's strength leaving because the task is too much in their minds. Then they've got the rumours and whispers of the enemy. And then you've got the pessimists, the people in fear. They're going to attack us 10 times over. We're done. So what does Nehemiah do? Firstly, he puts people in family groups. Verse 13. And he arms them. And then he looks things over. And great leaders always look things over before they make decisions. They don't make emotional knee-jerk decisions. They take a step back. One of my favourite films is We Were Soldiers. Um, it stars Mel Gibson. It's about Colonel Hal Moore, who is uh, the first um, American US cavalry, air cavalry soldiers on the ground in Vietnam at a place called Le Drang. And they were uh, completely overwhelmed and outnumbered. The intelligence was wrong and they dropped them into a place where they were basically all going to die. And there's one scene where um, he knows Hal Moore, I believe he's still alive, true story, where um, he realises perimeter's breached and he's about to be overrun. But instead of making some knee-jerk emotional decision, as all the bullets are flying in <laughs> and pinging off stuff, he seems to have that incredible invulnerability that some great leaders have. They're all pinging off places around him and tanks and bits of armour and rock. He just stands up in the middle of it. He does a 360-degree look. And he calmly picks up his radio and he gives an order. And that's what he does here. I looked things over and I stood up and I said to the nobles and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. Number one, 
clever strategy. You're going to fight harder. We looked at this two weeks ago when I talked about um, people rebuilding the walls where they lived. And now he puts families together. You'll fight harder if you're in family and, you, and, you, and your whole family unit's there. You'll, you'll fight to the death to protect your family. But what he also does is the other thing, he, uh, as a great leader, that all great kingdom leaders should do and do do, is he points beyond himself to Christ. Points beyond himself, in this case, to God. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families. God first, families, then the calls. And what was the result? When our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the walls, each to our own. And from that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows and armour, covering each other's backs. We're in family units. We've changed our whole pastoral strategy uh, to be now more of a home group based church. We will all come together during our prayer nights. We're coming together now on live chat, I hope. Um, and we will come together again as a big family. But we're also family units of home groups. Well, first port of call pastoral is a home group leader. There's a pastoral team picking up those who are not yet in home groups. And I'm available and around. Of course, I am walking around, praying for you, trying to uh, keep in touch and here to respond to any emergencies as when we need to. But we're family. And we fight for each other. And in our home groups, we look out for each other. That's what we do. And those who are stronger can protect those who are weaker. We can shop for each other and pray for one another. We, we keep God's presence in each other's hearts. We remind each other that the Lord is with us, is what I'm saying. We call people, our friends, our church families to keep looking up we point beyond ourselves to jesus christ that's what we do and what happens when we do that when our enemies heard that we were aware of the plot and that god had frustrated it we all returned to the wall each for our own work we watched each other's backs some had shields some had spears while some worked and vice versa Said each of the builders always sword at his side as he worked. But the man who sounded the trumpet, he stayed with me. It's verse 18. Just a little thing here. Um, I have this weird thing. Uh, I'm keeping a Bible in nearly every room of my house. That's my sword. Right now, if I sit down with a cup of tea, I want to see a Bible in front of me. I'm trying to read through Psalms at the moment. Yeah, I don't ever be that far away from my sword, particularly at this time. It's where my strength is. It's where your strength will be. But also, isn't it interesting here how, how Nehemiah kept the man who sounded the trumpet with him? We're sending out worship lists every week. In my uh, home group, WhatsApp group, Tom Bannister is uh, sending us a daily worship song. At our prayer meeting, Andrea uh, sang over us all, brought us into a place of worship. 
And it says this. I said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. It's being honest, but the reality of the task is in front of him. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, our God will fight for us. So he kept the man with the trumpet to rally the people so they would gather and pick up their swords, their spears, their bows. There's a rallying call to the people when they are under attack. It's not the same for us. But there is something here. There is something here about gathering people together to stand with one another. We don't have a trumpet. We've got WhatsApp groups. We've got Facebook, RK Fame Online. And I know it's not an exact parallel to here to what's in the passage, as I just alluded to, but we need to raise a trumpet sound every now and again as a church. We'll be calling you to pray over particular situations when we can't gather. When we hear of someone in a tough time, when there's a particular need, we're going to raise a trumpet sound. We're going to call you to pray. We're going to call you to worship. What does Nehemiah do? He doesn't say, you will fight with your swords, your spears, your bows. He says, our God will fight for us. And we'll see towards the end of the book how he calls the people to worship before the word of God. Verse 21, so he continued to work with half the men holding spears from the first light of dawn till the stars came out. They put in a shift to cover each other's backs and protect each other. At that time, I also said to the people, have every man in his helpers stay inside Jerusalem at night so they can serve us as guards by night and workers by day. And neither I nor my brothers nor my men nor the guards whom we took off our clothes, each had his weapon, even when he went for water. In other words, they were always vigilant and always expecting that there could be an attack at any moment. We are under pressure now. The whole of our society is under pressure, but our God will fight for us. He is with us. We know he's with us. Read Psalm 139, Psalm 46, Psalm 86. Read these Psalms of help. We know that the Lord is with us. We might not always feel it, but one thing we can do we can stand together in worship and prayer, even if we are physically separated. We don't have to be spiritually and emotionally separated. So here's a few thoughts. Take things one thing at a time. Keep pointing beyond yourself to Jesus Christ. As a leader, don't make knee-jerk reactions. This is a time for calm, analysis, and seeking God making good wise decisions pray for wisdom every day don't be afraid don't be afraid verse 14 remember the lord fights for you there's still a place for good strategy and putting family groups together they had their swords in one hand their shovels in the other all hands on deck just keep each other and ourselves in a place of worship encourage each other to keep looking up there will be times when we call you all to prayer and to worship, stop whatever you're doing. And we'll do that when we put the trumpet sound out there. And we will build this church with God's help. And when we emerge out of this, not only will our walls be rebuilt, we'll be deeper, stronger, walking with more grace, more humility. And I'm praying more people knowing Jesus Christ. 
God bless you all. Um, there'll be some uh, space now on the uh, YouTube channel to continue the live chat. Praying for you. Love you all. And uh, maybe I'll see you as I walk around at some point. God bless.
of our hearts tonight.
above depression his name is above loneliness oh his name is above disease his name is above cancer his name is above every other name Jesus, and that 